A feather drifts lazily down the river. Who is upstream? Is it feasting or being feasted upon? Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and one of our listeners requested the topic of this episode. As the chorus of amphibians and birdsong crescendoed along our journey towards summer, I started to miss the new arrivals. New leaves and flowers still seem to take it slow throughout the spring, so I'm less likely to miss the botanical developments around us. But I find myself giving up on noticing new birds right around mid-May. Red-winged blackbirds and phoebes tend to be early, so I don't usually miss those. Ospreys make a dramatic entrance with their penchant for carrying fish through the air, so I don't miss those either. One day, I'll notice a new birdsong in the forest that I can't quite place due to months of winter quiet, and then the next day, there are so many competing birdsongs I can hardly pick one out. It's as if the red-winged blackbirds, ospreys, and phoebes drive their own cars here and arrive one by one, but then the warblers and thrushes all carpool in a giant bus and get off at the same spot and overwhelm the senses. But at some point in late spring, I notice a huge bird that seems to have been standing around all along and I can never quite remember the last time I saw one. The Great Blue Heron. If you've ever had the opportunity to watch a solitary heron seeking food, you know that they are the epitome of patience. Long, thin legs and neck provide an ideal vantage point from which the bird can wait motionless in shallow, fresh, or salt water as a dagger-like bill points at unsuspecting prey. Their wispy, pale, blue-gray feathers always match the background, whether it's a cloudy sky, a stormy sea, or a placid pond. Its feathers might rustle in the wind, but nothing else on a heron will move. Sometimes they appear frozen with one leg half up and their heads cocked awkwardly. Other times they sport a steady, graceful stance that offers camouflage simply through stillness. When the heron's prey is in reach, it lunges its pointed bill into shallow water towards a passing fish, frog, or even a small mammal, and calls it a meal. While working as a caretaker of one of Maine's islands several years ago at this time, I was surprised to see a flock, also known as a siege, of herons flying overhead. I had only seen herons by themselves before, so I was quite surprised when such a large group of them attempted to land in the island's only tree, a mostly dead old willow with outstretched branches weathered like driftwood. Ten or so herons attempted to land on the many dead branches, but the dry branches broke under the weight of each bird's five-pound bulk. The shattered limb somewhat dissuaded the siege, and the birds veered off to regroup at the edge of the island's brackish pond. Great blue herons, while solitary for most of their lives, nest in colonies. They create big nests high in trees unless they're able to create nests on islands that lack predators, in which case they nest on the ground. Because open water is a primary driver of great blue heron migration, there is a lot of variability in the timing of when or if they leave an area and when they return. According to the Heron Observation Network of Maine, the first returning adults arrive in mid-March in southern Maine. They lay eggs towards the end of April in southern Maine or mid-May further north and down east, and it takes those eggs about a month to hatch. So depending on where you are in Maine right now, or a similar latitude that supports these big birds, herons may have eggs in the nest or even some crazy-looking chicks already in more southern parts of the state. Once the eggs have hatched, it takes another two to three months for those chicks to fledge. So the next time you're outside, you could try to observe the habits of a great blue heron with as much patience as they imbue while hunting or tending their nests. 
You'll be sure to discover something that amazes you when you slow down and watch the world through the eyes of a heron. Special thanks to listener Crystal for the inspiration for this episode. You can download it and find a link to the transcript, references, contact information, photos, and information about how to subscribe to the show as a podcast by visiting archives.weru.org. Have a nature question that you want us to answer on our show? Simply reach out to us. Theme music was by Apiliated Woodpecker, made available by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology.